last week we had such a great time, had a house full of people and a program that the young people gave to us was very outstanding. I really appreciate what Brother Wittenbach and Brother Hahn are doing in the area of Sunday school. I brought to your attention one scripture, and that's a scripture that's on the wall, and I'd like to start there again today, Matthew one twenty-three. Good to see Sister Margie Hickman with us today, Sister Wittenbach's mother, all the way from DeRitter, Louisiana. Praise God. Christmas is my favorite time of the year. Just brings so many people together and so many good feelings. And uh, we heard last week the frustrations of Christmas as they were talked about in our school program. But uh, Sister Grant and I, we like to shop, but we just kind of take it easy. I don't have all the Christmas shopping done. You know, that's the big thing. They say, you got your Christmas shopping done? We haven't even started. Well, we started ours, but we say that quite often. What? Wow, you got to get out, you got to get something, you know. Well, uh, I just like to enjoy the season. And sometimes we start Christmas shopping in October, and sometimes we start it on Christmas Eve. Just all depends on what we feel like doing. Just relax and have a good time. On Christmas Day, I sleep as late as I want to, and I go to bed whenever I want to. You need a day in which you do things that are not required of you. And that's what I like about Christmas. It's one of the few days, unless Christmas falls on Sunday, in which I can just do what I want to do without any strings attached. You know, I just get up when I want to get up and go to bed when I want to go to bed. And and I eat all day and I don't worry about my waistline. I worry about it a week later. Somebody recently asked me if I was concerned about my weight. I always am. Just thought I'd tell you. <clears throat> Doesn't mean I do anything about it, but I always am concerned about it. <laughs> well, so much for all that. <clears throat> it is a great time of the year. A great time of the year. Matthew one twenty three. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And while you're standing, turn to 1 Timothy 2. And we want to read a scripture here that could perhaps be interpreted by some people as being contradictory to Matthew one twenty three, 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man the man Christ Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. Notice 
Matthew 125 and also Matthew 121. Matthew 121, and this has to do with the name of Jesus. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Thank you, Brother Wallace. And verse 25, And he knew her not until she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now Jesus was Emmanuel, or God, with us. And when we read in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, there is only one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So Jesus was God. There's no doubt about it because the scripture says. But Jesus was man. There's no doubt about it. The scripture says. In fact, the Bible says she brought forth, forth her firstborn son. And so he was a son indeed. He was human. He was man. But yet he was God. Now, the only way that this could be is that God become man. Now, when Jesus was here, the Jews thought that he, being a man, maketh himself God. And so they accused him of blasphemy. They said he's blaspheming. How can a man make himself God? Now, the truth of the matter is that, that they were dead right in the fact that man cannot make himself God. And you see, it really wasn't he being a man making himself God. He being God made himself of flesh or made himself man. There is a vast difference. Now, when I took biology years and years ago... <clears throat> Years and years ago, <laughs> when I said that, I didn't mean for that to be funny, and I know some people laughing. It has been a long time ago, but I, we, we found out one thing, and that is when you consider different species, you cannot evolve one species from another due to the number of genes in the chromosomes now in other words it is you you cannot regardless of what people or people say or regardless of what uh, we conjure up in our mind you, you just can't evolve a man from a monkey that's just impossible you, you just can't do it or and so as a result the the number of chromosomes in the the genes makes this impossible for it to, to occur or for it to happen. Now, please understand, man was made in the image and in the likeness of God. In fact, man is an offspring of God. 
Now, that's what the Bible tells us. Now, we have to, we have to agree. God, however, is not the offspring of man. But man is the offspring of God. Now, if we traveled in our own mind to some fictitious story or fictitious setting, uh, I can see some scientist working on a particular uh, theory, and uh, they are trying to put together a plan in which they can, they can cross man with God. Now, God is a spirit. And so all of a sudden they capture part of God in a, in a jar. Now he's spirit, you can't see him. Now they're going to try to somehow cross this up and they're going to, they're going to form a God. They're going to, they're going to make a, a man that's part God. And so as a result, all of a sudden, Jesus Christ... Is, is born, he's a test tube babe, and he's, he's born, and uh, <clears throat> he, he indeed is God, and he is indeed man. But it did not happen that way. The Bible tells us that it didn't. The Bible tells us precisely how it happened. The Bible tells us in verse 20 of Matthew or 1, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. She was found with child, according to verse 18 of Matthew 1. The Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. She then conceived. She was a virgin. She had never known a man. And so as a result, she brought forth her firstborn son. His name was Jesus, which interpreted is God with us. This was God's way of being born into the world. Now, when you see Jesus Christ as a man, then naturally you, you look at him as, as being physical, and you don't look at him as being God. Now, in Galatians, the fourth chapter, verse 4. I have so many markers in my Bible. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. Now... <clears throat> The Trinitarian concept is that, that all of a sudden, God went to Jesus Christ who was in heaven and had a talk with him and said, Now I think it's time that you go down to the planet earth, and I think it's time that you redeem those uh, people there who are under the bondage of sin and under the bondage of their own transgression. So it's now time for you to go down to the planet earth. Now this is actually the Trinitarian concept. And so as a result. All of a sudden Jesus Christ said. Yes father. I will go. Now the Trinitarian doctrine states. That God is three persons. Each being co-equal. Co-existent. Co-eternal. 
Now, he is a person now. Is that true? Sure, he's a person. That is, if the Trinity is correct. So he is a person. Now, the Bible tells us that when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son. Okay, here's the Son. But he, being a person now, has to be made or formed in the womb of a woman. So all of a sudden, now you're going to go down to the planet Earth. So somehow I'm going to have to pull out the, the, the royal scepter and touch him so that he will diminish. His body then will dissipate. And he becomes spirit like God. And then I'm going to have to send the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost, to overshadow Mary. So that his body will reform in the womb of a woman. And see, it didn't really happen that way, did it? It really didn't happen that way. Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And being there's only one Spirit, it doesn't make any difference whether you say God the Father or the Holy Ghost. See, Jesus was the Son of God. And if you separate the Holy Ghost from God the Father, then the Holy Ghost evidently must be the Father of Jesus. At least the Bible says that it was the Holy Ghost that overshadowed Mary. And she brought forth her firstborn son. All right? When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. Now, that simply means that, as we read last week in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh. Word comes from the Greek word logos, which means concept, plan, idea, a blueprint. In my office, I have a blueprint that I'm drawing or a set of plans that I'm drawing. This is for a future home that I'd like to build. And I am planning on building this home about four years from now. And somebody asked me, why four years from now? Because four years from now, we plan on having the new tabernacle completed at camp, all of which I will be responsible for the putting it up. And we plan on having our new church building built. So four years from now, the fullness of time will come. In other words, certain things must happen. Because that's that, that my priority is, is not to build the house. Now, you may say, was the Son of God then not a priority? It definitely was a priority. But please understand, I do not believe, I do not believe that, that the, the sin of man that caused God to come up with this concept. I do not believe the sin of man was the will of God. When God created Adam and when he created Eve, God provided in case there was a sin, a method or a plan in which to take care of that sin. But it was not in the will of God that man sinned. You know, if you're building a big skyscraper downtown, you, you don't incorporate in your plan some booby traps someplace up on the 10th floor so somebody will fall. 
And why do you want somebody to fall? Because I've got an ambulance down below and we got rescue services and such. And we got doctors and they need something to do. Well, you don't do that. But knowing the hazard of the program, just in case somebody does fall, you will have some doctors, some paramedics, an ambulance and a hospital nearby in case it does happen. And the reason why that God had to become man is that man created in the image and the likeness of God and placed on the planet earth and given their own mind and their own will. This was God's plan, God's will for man. But knowing the hazard then of letting man become independent to the point of him doing his own thinking and making his own choice, God then provided a plan in which if he did fall, that he could be rescued. And so the Logos was that plan. The Logos was that concept. The Logos was that thought. It was that idea. And when the fullness of time had come, in other words, when mankind could no longer exist without a Redeemer, when the world had reached the point in which the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, the Christ, the Anointed One, had to come. It was at this time then that the Holy Ghost, God, the only Spirit, the omnipotent Spirit, the all-present omniscient Spirit, overshadowed Mary. And she then brought forth her son. It was her son. It was the son of man. Was it not? Read the book of Luke. You will find out the book of Luke constantly calls Jesus the son of man. But Matthew constantly calls him the son of God. How could he be the son of man and the son of God? Because God reached down and overshadowed Mary. And from that standpoint, he indeed was God with us. God making himself man. But he was man all the way just like we are man. Why? Because he had a mother. And the flesh was formed in the womb of a woman made under the law. Made of a woman made under the law. Now this was necessary. It had to be that way. It had to be that way. And we, we trust that in the next few minutes that we will be able to convey to you the message of why that it had to be that way. But first, let's go all the way back to Genesis, the 28th chapter. Genesis, the 28th chapter. Jacob goes to a place called Bethel. Bethel actually means the house of God. And there, <clears throat> Jacob went to sleep. He was a troubled man. He had a few things that had to happen. He, he was a deceiver. The word Jacob means supplanter. He, he had to take care of a few things. He had to leave his father's household because of the wrath of, of his brother. 
he had stolen the birthright. And when he goes to the place of Bethel, the Bible tells us that he, he takes and he picks up some stones and they become pillows for him. Verse 11 of Genesis 28. And the Bible tells us that he went to sleep. And when he went to sleep, he dreamed a dream. And when he dreamed this dream, he saw the heavens open up. And he saw a ladder that reached from the earth to heaven. And he saw the angels of God ascending and descending upon the ladder. Now, I don't really know how to, how to uh, put this in, in words. Uh, I suppose that, that what you could say that they were, it was like a staircase. And, and here you, you saw the angels of God. They were ascending and descending, ascending and descending. They were walking up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. In other words, what this was, was doing, it was, it, it was showing to, to Jacob that, that, that God's intent somehow was to make a highway, a road, a, a ladder that reached from the heaven to the earth so that, so that those on the earth could have communion with heaven and those in the heavens could have communion with the earth. And so here, here they were walking up and they were coming, ascending and descending. In other words, it, it was a two-way road. It was a two-way street. Uh, those from the earth were going up and those from the heavens were coming down. Now at that time, Jacob, after he awoke, he, he felt comfort in his heart and, and he went on to the, to the country of Haran and there he, he married his wives. Uh, Maybe he never did know exactly what it meant, but, but to, to those who, who read the record and those who later on knew Jesus Christ understood exactly what it meant. If you turn to the book of John, the first chapter, you will find the first chapter of the book of John. First, uh, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ is very well explained. And then the public ministry of Jesus Christ is then explained and then you will find in verse 51, Jesus saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon what? Upon Jacob's ladder? I suppose you could say upon Jacob's ladder, because Jacob's ladder was the Son of God. What Jacob actually saw years and years before that. He saw a method in which those on the earth could go to heaven and those in the heavens could come to the earth. In other words, perfect communication with heaven and with earth. And Jesus Christ was that road. Jesus Christ was that ladder. In other words, the heavens were connected to the earth through Jesus Christ. Praise God. Now that opens up some of the, the understandings uh, that the Apostle Paul and, and several other, other New Testament writers wrote of. What, what Paul said, we are made to sit in heavenly places with, Jesus, with Christ Jesus. How in the world can we, born a man, bound to the planet earth, at the most that I can do. Now, when I was a young man, I could jump over this pulpit. 
But, but gravity seems to just keep pulling me down and my muscles are getting weaker and weaker. And besides that, I'm, I'm taking on extra baggage. And, and it's just hard. And even if you stay the same weight throughout your lifetime, that weight shifts around a little bit. You get skinnier in some areas and bigger in others. And, and, and so it, it just, the, the pressure's pulling. And, and, and I don't know if I could jump over this or not. I wouldn't even try it, tell you the truth. In fact, I'm not even curious enough to even worry about it. So, you know, but, but at the most, now I could jump over this without a, well, I wouldn't say without a problem, but I could jump over this. But, but even some of the, the, the high jumpers, somebody told me in the recent Olympics that somebody high jumped seven foot, uh, I've already forgotten what they said. Now, I can't feature anybody jumping seven foot. But, but some pole vaulter went 18 feet. Now, you know, you know how far 18 feet is? Everybody turn around and look at the back of the building, okay? At the back of the building. Okay, now those pieces of paneling there are 8 feet tall. And there's one piece, there's another piece, and that's 16. And then you have a little over 2 feet to the top. So that's, that's about 18 feet 6 inches. Now can you feature somebody pole vaulting over that? I can't. <clears throat> but they, somebody did. Or at least they went that high. That's a long ways up. But, but you know, when, when you consider, how far is it to the moon? Can somebody tell me? Anybody know how far it is to the moon? Brother Dish, do you know how far it is to the moon? 186,000 miles. Uh, actually, the moon at its nearest point is about 180,000 miles. At its further point, furthest point, it goes out to about 240,000. Isn't that right? So he's, he knows. <laughs> now, how far away is the moon? 186,000 miles, he says. Uh, and the, the moon is the nearest satellite to the earth. Now, <clears throat> 18 feet compared to the distance of the moon, you know, you don't get very far off earth, do you? And so here's mankind entrapped in, in, in a body and, and he wants to go to heaven. And how in the world can he go to heaven when he can't even get over 18 feet, let alone even to the moon? So he wants to go to heaven. How far away is heaven? We don't know. Somebody asked me, said, Brother Grant, you can't even prove to me that heaven is up. I said, well, I don't really know because... You see, when you consider the solar system, which way is up, really? I just know this. When Jesus ascended, he ascended upward. That's, that's all I know. Now, <clears throat> don't ask me any other question about that. And I know this in the book of Revelation. When the holy city was first seen, it was coming down. Now, man wants to, then to go to heaven... Now, how far is it to heaven? And how far could I get on the merits of my own strength? Well, I couldn't even get a good start. <clears throat>
You know, it's, it's like a man who thinks he's strong and he tries to lift himself up by his own bootstraps. You know, you put on your boots and you, you get up. You see, the harder you pull, it seems like the more leverage is pushing downward. You know the reason why you can't pick yourself up? Because of the law of leverage. You cannot pick yourself up. You ever sit in a chair, get a hold of the bottom of the chair, and, and pull up? You know why you can't pick up? Because you're always pushing down with a point of your body with greater pressure than you're pulling up. It just works that way. So here's man, and he's trying to get to heaven. And how in the world can he get to heaven? When the odds against him are greater than those in his favor. He can't do it. And another law of nature is this, that all subordinate kingdoms lack the power to increase or to rise to a higher power. Now, for an example, here's a, here's a cow out eating grass. Now, what does a cow do? The cow reaches down to the grass. Now, God didn't create any grass that all of a sudden when the cow came by, the grass says, I think I want to become milk. So, what I'm going to do, I'm going to jump up, and, and, and I'm going to jump right inside that cow, and I want to turn into milk. That's what I want to do. Have you ever heard of grass like that? No, it doesn't work that way, does it? It's the higher kingdom reaching down, pulling up. And it's that same way when God looked down, man did not possess the ability nor have the power to sit in heavenly places with God that he once had. And the only way that this could become possible is for the higher kingdom, God, the Holy Ghost, to overshadow Mary. And then she conceived and brought forth a son. And the purpose of sonship, separate and apart from many other purposes, the main purpose was to redeem man. Behold the Lamb of God that does what? That taketh away the sin of the earth. The sin of the world. His name shall be called Jesus for he shall do what? Save his people from their sins. Praise God. God had to reach down. God had to have compassion. This is the reason why the writer of the New Testament epistle, John, stated this. We love him because he first loved us. No man comes to God except the Spirit draweth him. It's that higher kingdom, that higher power reaching down to a subordinate kingdom. You know, this is the reason why that pride stinks to God. Because some people get to thinking that they, they're so big and healthy and strong they can save themselves. I remember making a trip to a, to a ranch out in East Texas, a fairly large ranch. 
And I talked to the rancher there. I needed to talk with him because the Lord had laid him on my heart. And I developed a real burden for him. This rancher's name was Lucian Bass. He was a big, tough guy. He was about six foot six inches tall. He must have weighed 275 or 280 pounds. Just big and tough. And I remember going in and talking to him. I sat in his living room and I told him, I said, Now, Mr. Bass, I said, I want to talk with you because the Lord has talked to me and the Lord has sent me by here to, to uh, talk to you about your soul. And uh, we talked for a while. He was, he was very nice and very courteous and kind. And, and uh, he had uh, somebody there in the house that he had uh, uh, doing uh, uh, housework to bring in some coffee and, and some refreshments. and uh, I forget now exactly what he did, but he put a little meal out on the table and we talked and and he was just so nice and so kind and and i i really thought you know that he was listening well to everything that i had to say he was just a gentleman at heart but but when it came time for me to leave he put his hand on my shoulder and looked down at me and he said now preacher he said you know i appreciate your visit and you're such a good man and i appreciate anybody that has a burden for me but he said now Lucian's always been able to make it on his own. He said, uh, uh, I've always been very independent and quite a proud man and been very successful and, you know, he just went down the line. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And he said, now, don't you worry about me. He said, I'm going to make it all the way. Everything's going to be all right. Well, then I, I left and I... I I was so taken back. This this man was so full of pride. It was unbelievable. You know, what it appeared to me what he was saying is, God or no God, well, man, Lucian, Lucian Bass can take care of the situation. About three months later, I noticed a prayer request going across our pulpit, and they said, pray for Lucian Bass. He's been having severe chest pains. So we prayed for him. I didn't give any thought to it, and then, Later on, another prayer request came across the pulpit and said, Pray for Lucian Bass. He went to uh, M.D. Anderson Hospital. That's a cancer hospital in Houston, Texas, for examination. So we prayed for Lucian Bass. Then the request came back about, oh, I suppose six months later. I hadn't given much thought to, to him uh, other than just uh, praying for him there for a few days. He said, Pray for Lucian Bass. He has lung cancer. Thought it's time for me to go see Lucian. Well, I went out to see him. Here he was, you know. He's having pain. Same Lucian Bass, six foot six, two hundred and seventy, eighty pounds or whatever. You know, spread the food. A good gentleman. Everything, but this time he's a little more open, but not totally open. He said, "They tell me I've got lung cancer, pretty severe." Well, he was just having pain, that was all. Well, he bid me goodbye, and I, I left, and I asked him to come to church, and he did not respond. You know, some people will tell you, yes, I'll be there, and they won't come. But every now and then, I'll ask somebody, and they just say, thank you for the invitation. Now, to me, what they're saying is, thanks, but no thanks. So he said, well, thank you for the invitation. Well, didn't give it much thought. Then a few months later, 
They said, pray for Lucian Bass. He had to go back to M.D. Anderson. Time went on, and I remember up preaching one Sunday night, and I saw this frail figure walk through the back door. I could hardly believe what I was saying. I mean, he, he had lost so much weight. It was like skin stretched over a bag of bones. I could hardly believe it. When I finished preaching that night, he walked down the altar and knelt. I was so taken back, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And when he got up, he, he was crying, and, he, and he, was, he was so weak, he was shaking. And he, he told me, he said, Brother Grant, sit down a minute, I want to talk with you. He said, please forgive me for my independent attitude. He said, you know, I always thought that I could conquer everything. But you see, he said, I guess maybe I've kind of reached a place in which I understand, you know, it's Lucian does not have the ability, you know, to, to do everything for himself. He said, would you pray to God that somehow I'd gain strength? And he said, I can't keep the farm up anymore. Can't even feed the cows now. Can't ride my horse anymore. He said, I don't even have enough strength to put my foot up in the stirrup and swing up on the saddle. He said, the kids tried to help me on the horse the other day, and I finally got up there and I couldn't even ride. He said, uh, I guess I was just a fool for thinking maybe I could make it on my own. He said, you know, I just can't do it. He literally just melted there at the altar, put his face down, wept, cried, and prayed, sought the Lord. Poor Lucian passed away. He was baptized in Jesus' name. and I'm not for sure if he was filled with the Holy Ghost or not. He just was so weak. And, you know, there's no doubt about it. When Jesus came to the earth, God intentionally, God purposely designed a plan in which God could walk down the same trails that man walks down. God could look at all the problems of man through the eyes of a man. This is found several places in the scripture. When Jesus visited Lazarus' tomb in John 11, you need not turn there, but the Bible tells us that, that Jesus stood there as those two sisters began to tell about their brother who had passed away, Jesus stood there, and while they cried, what did he do? The shortest scripture found in the Bible is found in John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. And the Bible tells us that when they went on about their business, if you notice John eleven thirty six or 37, the Bible says, and Jesus groaned within himself. It, it appears that that, that what had happened, Lazarus must have been Jesus' friend. And I know that a lot of people say, well, well, Jesus was God, and so Jesus knew that Lazarus was saved, and they were wanting to call him back. But I believe that Jesus wept solely because he was a man, solely because he was moved by the feelings of our infirmities. He saw these, these sisters weeping and crying. And when Jesus said, take me to the tomb, all of a sudden, they got hope. Now, they were doubting, but, 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 but at the same time, they, they were rushing around. They wiped their tears and everything. But the Bible says that Jesus continued to groan. In other words, while they were going out to the graveyard, they, the, the sisters were we're going out to Lazarus' tomb. Now, we're going to see where our brother's buried. 
But, but Jesus, being the man that he was, he continued to groan within himself. Oh, he was hurting. We're going to see somebody that's dead. We're going to see a tomb, visit a grave. But when Jesus got out there, my friend, Jesus then said, roll back the stone. And they said, uh, but Lord, he's been dead now for four days. By now he stinketh. We can't, we, no. Don't embarrass us. Don't bring us to shame. We don't want to look in there. Jesus said, do you believe in the resurrection? They said, we know, Lord, that in the last days there will be a resurrection. Jesus, however, speaking not now as a man, not groaning as a man, not weeping as a man. Jesus as God says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Roll back the stone. And they rolled back the stone. And Jesus stretched forth his hand and said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Holy Ghost literally picked up Lazarus and brought him. Lazarus did not come on his own. He didn't walk out of there. Because when he appeared there where the stone had been rolled away in the mouth of the tomb, Jesus said then, take your scissors out, girls, and cut him loose and let him walk. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. You find Jesus as he crosses the Sea of Galilee. He was tired. He'd been preaching, ministering to the people. They pushed that little boat out in, in the water, and Jesus used the, the, the bow of that boat as a pulpit and continued to preach. Jesus said, let us go on to the other side, found in Luke 3. The Bible tells us that, that Jesus then went down into the, the very bottom of the boat and went to sleep. Why is he sleeping? Because he's a man. That's why he's sleeping. You think that God, as a spirit, sleeps? I can show you in the Bible where he never sleeps, neither does he slumber. It's kind of redundant, but that's what the Bible says. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. But here he is. He's sleeping. And all of a sudden, there's a great storm that comes up. And the little boat, you know, it began to rock and toss. And after a while, it gets darker and darker, and the wind begins to blow. And, and the rocking and the tossing and the tumbling, now it's, it's pitching and it's bucking. And, and wow! And all of a sudden, they ran down in the bottom. Now, he's not Jesus, the man now. He's the master you see, they had been with him when he ate. They had been with him when he slept. They'd been with him when he called him friends. But now he's, he's more than just a friend. He's more than just a man. They shook him, and this is what they said when they shook him. Master, carest thou not that we perish? Jesus shook himself and came forth from the sleep and came out. Jesus then rebuked them for their little amount of faith. And Jesus stretched forth his hand. And what did he say? He said, Peace! Be still. And that wind that was blowing, 
cease to blow. And they were all amazed. And this is what they said. What manner of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. Do you know when the wind stops blowing, sometimes in the ocean, the waves will continue because of the forward motion for hours and hours. This is the reason why you can get out on the sea sometime. And there's no wind, but there are waves. But even the wind and the sea obey Him. What manner of man is this? He was truly the God of glory who had become man to redeem Him and pick him up and place him in a higher kingdom. He was the God man. The Bible tells us in Acts the tenth chapter verse forty two when Jesus, when Peter preached at Cornelius' household that God had anointed Jesus to become the judge of the quick and the dead. In Revelation, the fifth chapter, the Bible tells us that when John looked around the throne and God was to judge the planet Earth, all of the people who had participated in the rapture were gathered around. And when a book was opened, brought forth, and the book contains the judgments, the soul that sinneth that shall surely die. And there were certain seals on this book. In other words, before the book could be opened and the words of judgment could be pronounced upon the planet earth, somebody had to open those seals. Somebody had to step forth and say, I lived such a life that I am worthy to judge the earth. I lived such a holy life to weep because when the were on the book, and God was saying, who's worthy to open this book now? Who's worthy to judge man? Every man stood there. Like the group of people that stood around Jesus when he was trying to find accusers of the woman who had committed adultery. Jesus said, he that is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, the rocks dropped to the ground. Boom. 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 Why are you dropping your rocks, boys? Don't you know this woman's worthy of death? She was caught in the act of adultery. Boom. Rocks continue to drop. What happened? Men then began to walk away. And... After all the rocks and stones had been dropped, Jesus stood there with only his disciples who were not accusing her at all. Jesus then said, Ma'am, where are thine accusers? She looked around and all she saw was a ground 
full of rocks. She said, Lord, I have no accusers. Jesus said, neither do I accuse thee. He told us, and I want you to go your way and sin no more. He recognized she had sinned. She was really worthy of death. And so here's the book. Are those people on the planet earth worthy to be judged? Sure, they're blasphemers. Are they worthy of death? Sure. Okay, he's going to say, Rich, can you open it? Rich is going to say, No, I can't do it, Lord. Why? Because you see, I'm here, Lord, not because of what I did, but because of what you did. Brother John, can you come and open the book? John says, No, Lord. What about that crown you got on your head there, John? Well, take it off and put it at at his feet because, you see, I didn't do it. He did it. Can you open it, Brother Dish? No. Because, you see, if I got what was coming to me, I wouldn't be here either. Who's going to open it? If the book's not open, the world will not be judged in the tribulation period. And while everybody stood, gazed around, who's going to open it? Because the word of the Lord says, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. And out of the midst of the throne came forth a lamb. Who was he? He was Jesus, Son of God. He who knew no sin, neither was any guile found in his mouth. He was the spotless sacrifice of Calvary. He stepped forth and took the book out of him that sat on the throne. And what did he do? He peeled back the seal and opened the book and read the judgments that caused the planet Earth to have all the havoc that we see in the tribulation period. Nobody could do it but him. He had to become man because man could not redeem himself. I want you to stand with me at this time. Praise God. Let's sing a chorus that we haven't sung in a long time entitled, His Name is Wonderful. Praise God. <clears throat> His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful, Jesus, my Lord. He is the mighty God, master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus, my Lord. My Lord.